Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm so happy to be here with y'all today. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. We have got such a great show in store. Today on the podcast, y'all, I get to talk to an absolute hero of mine, Coach Mark Richt. He's a beloved football coach, philanthropist, motivational speaker, husband, father, and author of the new book, Make the Call. Coach Rick served as the head football coach for the University of Georgia Godog Sikkim and the University of Miami, as well as longtime assistant coach for the Florida State University Seminoles under his mentor, Bobby Bowden. Throughout his career, Coach Rick's team have won two SEC championships, five SEC division titles, one ACC division title, and he was the SEC Coach of the Year twice and the ACC Coach of the Year as well. And with football season starting up, there is nobody I'd rather have on the podcast than my all-time favorite football coach, Coach Mark Rick. I would love to start, I mean, it's going to be hard for me to talk much about uh, your FSU days or your Miami days. When you know sure. you've got a Georgia Bulldog here. But I one of the things you wrote in the book that I would love for you to talk about, because so many of our friends listening are faith people as well. And, right. and you said you were talking about how you saw God tying things together in your life. And it says loose threads, but I could see how they were coming together. Right. Has that been kind of a theme of your life? Have you seen that over and over again? Well, when you go back and look, you know, when you're going through it, sometimes you don't see it or don't understand it. And then you look back and go, oh, that's what God had in mind. I mean, yeah. one, one big example was just when I was a young, trying to decide trying to, to decide what school to go to as a graduate assistant coach, I'd made my decision go, to go to LSU. Yeah. My, U, my U-Haul was packed, ready to go. And the night before I left to go to Baton Rouge, I got a call from Coach Bobby Bowden at Florida State invite me to not only be a graduate assistant helping uh, the quarterbacks coach coach the quarterbacks, but basically helping the head coach coach the QBs, which I knew would give me more, more responsibility. So if, if I didn't get the call that night, if I'd have got it the next night after I was in Baton Rouge, I never would have changed uh, my mind. But uh, since it came when it did, it was kind of a no brainer, Yeah. but I needed help. Yeah. And that was before you were walking with the Lord, because it's through Coach Bowden that you really became a right. believer, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. So it was, God was preparing me for that moment. Yeah. Can we talk about Coach Bowden for a minute? Sure. Yeah, it was so much of your book, all throughout the book, you he, he keeps kind of being a theme of, we did these mat drills like Coach Bowden taught me, and spiritual leadership like Coach Bowden, and, and I, I know he just passed away a couple of weeks ago. What, what, right. what was your experience like the last few weeks as you're hearing people talk about him, knowing how much he meant to you as well? Well, you know, next to my father, he was the most, by far the most influential man in my life. Uh, it was my coaching career, as I just mentioned a second ago. And, and uh, he did lead me to Christ in 1986 after the death of Pablo Lopez. And, but, uh, you know, I, I knew... Uh, that he was the kind of guy that was not just picking out Mark Rick to change my life. Mm. Uh, he just was living his, his family, I mean, excuse me, his faith, his family and football. And a lot of people say that, that that's their priorities, faith, family, football. But I saw firsthand for 15 years, that's what Coach Bowen was all about. And uh, 
And that's another reason why, as you mentioned in the, some of the things I said in the book, that I emulated from the, my days at Florida State because I really, other than 11 months stint at East Carolina University, I was at Florida State for 15 years prior to my opportunity to be head coach at Georgia. So I didn't know any other way. I knew the Florida State way. I knew the Bobby Bowden way. Uh, so that's kind of what I incorporated at, at Georgia. Yeah. There's a quote from Eugene Peterson. I think it's even maybe one of his book titles where he says, um, long obedience in the same direction. And I feel like Coach Bowden seems to have really modeled that for you. I feel like you model that for so many right. of us, this long obedience. Tell me why. Why does it matter to you now as there's so many of us who look up to you? Why does it matter to you to live a life of long obedience in the same direction? Well, when I became a believer in 86, um, things did change dramatically. I mean, I didn't know exactly what happened. Uh, I didn't understand completely that the uh, the sin nature I was born with, you know, when Adam sinned, sin entered all, all of us, you know, we're all descendants of Adam. And so we kind of got this sin nature we're dealing with. And then when we become believers, then that sin nature gets eradicated and it's replaced by the Holy Spirit. It's Christ who lives in us. And so if your spirit changes, your behavior starts to behave, mm. your behavior starts to change. And uh, that, you know, so uh, our behavior kind of lags behind who we are in Christ. So little by little, we kind of get there. But if you're, you know, pursuing integrity, if you're pursuing God, and, and here's the deal. My goal after becoming a believer became one very simple goal, and that was to try to live a life that would please God, mm. period. And uh, it, was, it was a very simple goal. It was not necessarily an easy goal to always obtain, but it was something that was very simple in, in my mind. So when I made decisions along the way, the question always came either from the Holy Spirit or my wife, Catherine, you know, <laughs> what does God want you to do? How would God feel about this decision? And I think when we have time to think about it and pray about it and try to hear what God's saying. Uh, that's an awesome thing, but sometimes you got to make questions, got to make decisions quick. Mm. And when you make those quick decisions, hopefully you're in a state of mind or a state of being that you will make the right decision that one that would please God. So yeah. that's kind of how, how I rated things. I think I like your, your behavior starts to behave. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's a good line. Okay, so Coach Rick, you came to UGA when I was a sophomore. And and I, I'm sure you remember this, but I would love for you to tell this story. I remember that spring, you went around to a lot of the campus ministries and gave your testimony. Right. Will you talk about why that was important to you? Well, they asked me, first of all. Well, sure. <laughs> and uh, But, you know, the bottom line is, I want everybody to go where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> I want everybody. I want everybody to have the peace, knowing that they're going to heaven, and uh, that's hard to obtain any other way than truly hum humbling yourself and submitting yourself to the gift of of Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. And uh, you know, without it, we're not good enough. We know that we can't we can't get to that destination. So, uh, but I think. When I give my testimony, it helps people understand that a life can change, that a, that, that a sin nature that was 
in my soul, spirit and soul could be eradicated and become, become the new creation. And when that happens, that's when things really get good. So, but the good, the best thing about it is in the end, we're all, we're all going to have an end time. You know, we know, we know that we'll spend all of eternity with Christ and with God. And, and that's, that's a huge amount of peace that people talk about that the Bible talks about that surpasses all understanding. I remember that night so clearly. I was part of the Wesley Foundation that's right there on right. Lumpkin. And and you came and you gave your testimony. And then the other thing you asked us to do, which I, I wonder if anyone's ever told you what we did when you asked this, but right. you, I remember. you asked everyone to pray for the football players by name. Yeah. And you said, yeah. and do you know that that next fall, our leadership team split up the roster and we prayed for players by wow. name that whole season. And wow. I remember getting on the bus, Coach Rick. <laughs> I got on the the O. I got on the O bus, and one of the guys I was praying for got on behind me, and I was like, oh, "He doesn't know what I know." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I've been praying this guy's name every day because Coach Rick That's asked awesome. me to last spring. <laughs> I think we won the SEC that year. We did too. win the SEC that year. <laughs> That's exactly. Uh, right. Well, the other thing that happened that night, if you remember, is uh, I came off stage and. Uh, Everybody stood up and gathered around and laid hands on me and prayed for me as well. So that yeah. was that was pretty pretty special night. Yeah, it was. Tell me about asking people to pray for the players. How have you seen? We love talking about prayer around here, and everybody has different prayer lives. But how have you seen asking other people to pray really make an effect in in changing right. things? Besides helping you win the SEC, you're welcome. Well, you are very welcome. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, we. Um, you know, people often say, you know, God doesn't care who wins the game. And maybe he doesn't. I'm not saying he does, but God cares about who's playing the game. Mm. And uh, so, you know, when we prayed or when I prayed, it was always about it was always about the health of the players and for them to be able to focus and for them to be able to do their very best. You know, it's it's a very emotional time before a game or during even before during a practice because these guys are putting their, their lives literally on the line. It's a, mm-hmm. such a physical sport mm-hmm. and things can happen. Uh, obviously there's injuries in football and some of them are more devastating than others. And, you know, so the thing we would always pray for was just the safety of not only our team, but everybody we played, you know, that's one thing over the years that uh, regardless of what these young men might've had as a faith base uh, in their lives, Nobody felt, nobody uh, got mad about us praying for their health. No one got mad about praying for their well-being. No one one got upset about that. There's people outside the program that wanted to make a big stink about us praying, but, you know, I didn't worry too much about them. What's your prayer life look like now? Well, it's, you know, you try to stay in continual conversation with God. You know, I was just reading this morning. Is I, when I when I do my workouts and then I, I got to ice my hip afterwards and that's when I settle down and get in the word. But I'll do uh, an Old Testament chapter, a New Testament chapter, a proverb and a and a uh, a psalm. And uh, you know, one of the things that was in the New Testament was with the crucifixion of Christ. I'm reading about that. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that was said in in the in Mark after he gave up his spirit was the veil was torn from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. 
And not a lot of people know what that means, but basically the tabernacle where the Holy of Holies was, where only the priest could go in to, to communicate with God, all of a sudden that veil was torn, which allowed all of us to communicate with God, to pray. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, what a privilege we have to do that, to be able to pray directly to God and not need an intermediary uh, in our lives. So, I mean, I personally just try to stay connected all day long. And, um, you know, some of the smallest things I pray about and some of the biggest things. And there's a lot of, you know, the older I get, the more my prayers become prayers of thanksgiving mm. just for the, the blessings that I have and that I've had throughout my life. Because y- y'all are back in Athens, right? Well, we're trying to split time between Athens and Destin. I'd like my taxes to be in the state of Florida. <laughs> Get that. <laughs> if I could. And uh, But, uh, you know, family, my side of the family. When I coached at Georgia during that 15-year 15, 15 span, my mom, my dad, my brother, my two sisters, all their husbands, wives, you know, children, all the nieces and nephews, every, everybody on my side of the family is um is in Athens. Oh wow. And basically, you know, three years later after I re- retired from coaching and left Miami and spent two years at the beach, they're st- they're still in <laughs> Athens. So and the most maybe the most important group, you know, my son John and his wife Anna and our two granddaughters, Jaden and Zoe, uh they're the big attraction for us. Yes. So uh we we have, we visited so often uh, then my son was like, hey, dad, you either got to pay me rent or you got to get your own house. And uh, so anyway, uh, we decided to buy a home. Uh, and a lot of it had to do with we, what we knew what was happening with this uh, Parkinson's too. Yeah. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about another one of our incredible partners, Genexa. It's founded by two dads on a mission to make everyday medicines with the same effective active ingredients you need without the dirty stuff like artificial dyes, preservatives, and fillers. Whether you need to manage pain, allergies, or just a common cold, Genexa treats the same symptoms as the leading brands because they use the exact same active ingredients. But none of the dirty stuff you don't need. It just makes too much sense, you guys. It makes you wonder, why has someone not done this before? Now, my gracious, it is 2021. Genexa has a huge network of healthcare professionals across the U.S. helping patients and their families join the clean medicine revolution. It's real medicine made clean. So start cleaning out your medicine cabinet today. Go to genexa.com slash that sounds fun for 20% off your first purchase. Again, go to genexa.com slash that sounds fun for 20% off your first purchase purchase. That's G-E-N-E-X-A dot com slash that sounds fun. And now back to our conversation with Coach Rick. How has that affected your faith being diagnosed with Parkinson's? Uh, it's a blessing that I have faith. It's a blessing that I understand what's next. Yeah. It's a blessing to know this, uh, you know, I've been talking about my spirit and soul being made perfect in Christ through the gift of, of Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, and talked about our, you know, what, what lags behind is, is our behavior because <laughs> we're still in this body. We're st- we still, you know, our brain is still part of our flesh. 
and there's still old stupid sin habits in there and things that just right. don't go away. They get better, hopefully, but they, you'll never be perfect in your body until the until you lose it and you gain this new glorified body that God's going to give us with no with no disease, with no sin. And so the, we'll get a perfect glorified body that'll match our spirit and soul. And that's, again, when things get really good in heaven. It allows me to look at my my health, my Parkinson's, and say that it is truly a momentary light affliction compared to the glory that we'll, we'll have in heaven. And, uh, and so that's, you know, it's kind of what I tweeted out when I announced that I had it. I didn't do it for people to feel sorry for me. I did it because I got tired of answering the question, what's, what's wrong with you, coach? You know, do you need help? I'm like, no, but if you wait long enough, I could do it myself. Uh, but uh, anyway, that I, I told people basically because um, I just got tired of answering the question, but I was able to tweet out how I truly feel that, uh, you know, this is, this is momentary. I mean, I might say momentary, it might be 20 years, but that's, that's nothing compared to the eternity. Yeah. When you think about getting a diagnosis like that after, you know, after a life where you've seen God be good to you and your family and there's been tragedies and joys and uh, there's right. so many of our friends listening who get diagnoses and think, but I thought God was kind or yeah. I thought God was for me or I thought, you know, like, what do you... Right. So what do you say to those people? How does that still feel kind? Well, because in the end, he's going to heal us of everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, When when we die, we're going to heaven forever. I mean, the time on earth is so short. It's, it's, it's like a blink of an eye compared to what's going to happen in our future. And and that's so good. I mean, I had a heart attack too. That was fun. Yeah. I remember Uh, that too, coach. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when you're, when you think you're moments away from death, which I thought I was, and you have this peace and this excitement that you're going to see Jesus, that's, that's pretty good stuff. And I'm not saying if somebody's on a deathbed and, and they're afraid, I'm not saying they're not a believer sure. by any stretch, yeah. but for me, I was, I was fired up and, uh, I was kind of disappointed when they woke me up. To be <laughs> <honest with> you. <laughs> Which came first, writing, make the call, or getting diagnosed with Parkinson's? The idea that they're both happening about the same time publicly, which came yeah, first? The book. Yeah. The book doesn't reference Parkinson's at all. Yeah. So I might have to add something. One yeah, day. yeah, a little. Sub- if we sell enough books uh, <laughs> to do another maybe print we'll, run, we'll do. Maybe, maybe, well, maybe we'll do a different book. But, yeah. Uh, so it's, I, I thought about uh, journaling this adventure in Parkinson's, but yeah. I, mean, I haven't been much of a journal person. Yeah. So the book, Make the Call, it, you do such a beautiful job of telling these great stories from behind the scenes. I mean, I just was just living it up in all the UGA chapters. I was so happy reading some of my favorite stories. So let's talk about Finish the Drill. That's a great one. Finish the Drill is something UGA fans and team, I mean, we know this is something to live by. But you took a football idea and made it into like a a life idea for us. Will you talk about what it means to finish the drill? Right. Well, going back to Florida State, we had an off-season conditioning program called the Matt Drills, M-A-T. It sounded horrible. I read about it in the book, and that sounds the worst. Well, (laughs) I've got guys that have gone to the military boot camps 
I don't care if it's the Marine Corps, Army, Navy, Air Force, and say it was nothing like mad drills. Yeah. But uh, so it, 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 the reason why I called it mad drills, it was it was on a wrestling mat, one third of it, but one one third of that uh, conditioning program uh, was H-E-double-X. Yeah. Uh, to, for those guys, it was tough. And, and every drill we had, not only on the mats, but every drill we had, whether it was a shuttle shuttle run or a L drill or just all these different conditioning drills, uh, every, every drill had a finish line. There was a cone or a line that they knew was the finish line. And we always emphasized emphasized uh, finishing the drill. And if you didn't fin- finish the drill as hard as you started it, you got to go back and do it again. Oh. And not only you, but your teammates, you might have 10 guys doing one drill. One guy blows it. Everybody's got to go back. That's awful. You know, so everybody, everybody had to do it right. But that was the thing. Uh, that's the thing about football is it takes 11 guys doing it right. Mm. And if one guy blows it, everybody suffers. So the big, the war cry for the mad drills was finish the drills. Yeah. So I take these drills to Georgia. We, we were emphasizing finish the drill, finish the drill, finish, finish. And, uh, you know, so that's where it came from. And uh, so anyway, we're playing year one. We're playing at Tennessee the year after you guys tore down the goalpost. <laughs> I promise I wasn't part and, of that. Uh, I promise I wasn't part of that. <laughs> so anyway, we're playing those guys and we're, we, we take the lead with a couple minutes to go and get an interception. Looks like we're going to win. We run the ball three times. They call three timeouts. We have to punt. And they're like 87 yards away, throw a screen pass. And uh, with less than two minutes, maybe less than a minute. I can't remember exactly the time. But they go 87 yards for a touchdown to take the lead. And the stands just started erupting. Uh, the ground started shaking. It, it was the loudest I've ever heard any crowd. Wow. And so, anyway, uh, we get the ball back, throw the ball, three or four completions, eight seconds to go. We call this play called P44, Haynes. P means pit play pass, meaning you're going to fake a run. The 44 was the run we faked. And Haynes was the name of our fullback, Veron Haynes. Oh, yeah. And he, he was the primary receiver for that ball. So long story short, we call the play. They're in the right defense. And he's wide open in the end zone. We score. And we end up winning the game. So we're in the locker room celebrating wildly. And uh, I calm everybody down, and I start to explain what they had done. And somebody jumped up and said, hey, coach, we finished the drill. Mm. I'm like, that's right. We finished the drill. And just not to wear this thing out, but uh, this, that same Baron Haynes, yeah, he, he calls me while I'm writing the book, all right? And he says, hey, I want to tell you a story. My daughter is in dance. She doesn't like it. She says she wants to quit. And he says, hey, honey, in the Haynes family, we finished the drill. We never wow. quit. Yeah. And then he, then he hits me up a month later. And uh, he went back to get his degree after because he went to chase a pro career, didn't yeah. quite get his degree finished. So he goes back to finish his degree. And his son was old enough to, at the at the uh, ceremony, graduation ceremony. He said, hey, dad, you finished the drill. And so, you know, it's like you said, finish the drill means, hey, do your best in the football drill. But it also means never quit. And uh, so many people have been encouraged to keep fighting through disease and fighting through 
relationship issues. And, and so, and a lot of these players are like, if I can make it through mat drills, I could, I could do anything. And, uh, <laughs> so it's been, it's been a pretty, uh, pretty great thing. It's- oh, by the way, one last thing. I got a former player who grew up, wanting to be a bulldog. He grew up in Athens, but I ended up having him go to Miami with me oh, wow. as a fullback. Well, he's got a, he's got a, uh, a, a small business called Pops Socks. Okay. He, he makes men's dress socks. Uh-huh. All right. And uh, so he made a, fit, a pair of finished to drill socks for me. So I got every time I go out and wear anything black, I'm wearing my, uh, my pop socks that say finish the drill. It just feels like it has, for, I mean, for starters, you should have taken me through those mat drills in college because I would have learned perseverance a lot sooner than I did. I didn't learn it quite soon enough yes. in my life. But I, I mean, when you're talking about Parkinson's, when you're talking about the rest of your life, how do you, how are you talking to yourself about finishing the drill right. of being faithful and, and with your family and all that? How does that play out in your real life too? Right. Well, uh, the Parkinson's, you, you know, the worst thing you could do is uh, get depressed and roll up in the ball in your bed because that's what you're going to become. Your, your muscles want to tighten up. Mm. Uh, so you're constantly fighting that. You need to exercise. You need to stretch. You need to get those hot showers. Yeah. You know, you need to uh, you need to eat right. You need to rest properly. Uh, all the things I should have been doing, I'm doing now. So I, I actually feel really good. Yeah. The only my biggest issue is uh, I move a little bit slower than I used to move, but I can still pretty much do almost anything I did in the past. But mm-hmm. the simplest things now take a focus that it really shouldn't have to. Wow. But the bottom line is uh, you got to keep a positive attitude. And uh, some of the things that, uh, you know, some of the reasons why people get Parkinson's is inflammation in your body. That's some of the food you eat. Uh, the toxins that we breathe in sometimes or drink uh, through these plastic bottle waters and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff that that all of a sudden your body just can't handle all the toxins, can't handle the inflammation. And, uh, and if you don't get rid of them, you got problems. So now when you have when you have motor symptoms in Parkinson's movement symptoms, by the time those manifest, by the time those show up, you've probably had it five to 10 years. And no what way. happens is your dopamine, your dopamine is an action cell in your body. That's what helps you move. By the time you get movement symptoms with Parkinson's, you've probably lost 80% of your dopamine in your body. So you're, you're battling to, to save what's left yeah. and take good care of that. And if you do, you can stay in stage one for a good long bit. There's so many of us that are in the middle of something hard, you know, like whether you, I mean, you said it, whether it's a relational thing or a work thing or college students who are listening that are starting a year that's going to be hard. When it gets hard, when you're in the middle of the drill, what kind of things do you say to keep yourself going? I mean, finish the drill is a great sentence, but it's not going to like make me keep going every time. So what are the, is it like is there stuff that God says to you or is it stuff you're praying? Is it stuff you're telling other people? How do you get to the finish line? Well, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes you fake it till you make That's it. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, you just, you just keep going. I think it's just like with Parkinson's, you got to keep moving. If yeah. you don't keep moving, you're going to, you're going to get stiff. You're going to get, 
your muscles want to get rigid yeah. on things of that nature. So same thing in life. You, you got to keep moving. You got to wake up the next day. I mean, there was a time, and I write this in the book too, when I was at East Carolina, first time offensive coordinator scared to death that uh, everybody around me knew more than I did in that mm-hmm. offensive staff room, which they did. And uh, so, I'm, I mean, every morning I'm like afraid to go in the office and get embarrassed, you know, <laughs> and I got to the point where I didn't want to get out of bed. Mm. I got to a point when, you know, during the night I wouldn't sleep. I'd be sweating at night and I'd be thinking all the things I had to do the next day. There's no way I could get them all done. Then you wake up and you take that shower and you get, and you get moving. Yeah. And all of a sudden by 11 o'clock, everything's done. You're like, what was all that about? You yeah. know, what's fear? Yeah. You know, we we just can't let fear cripple us because just like when Coach Dooley, as the athletic director at Georgia, offered me the head job, and I was wasn't sure I wanted it because I was scared. Yeah. You know, here's my wife again. She's like, "God doesn't give you a spirit of fear, honey. That's not coming from God. <laughs> that spirit of fear is coming from Satan. So you gotta say no way." So anyway, between the Holy Spirit and my wife, yeah, I tend to make it. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to tell you about one of our amazing partners, Rothy's. Okay, so even though the kids are back in school and football season is here, the 88 degree weather and 700% humidity tells me that summer is still around. (laughs) None of us need to be caught without comfortable footwear to finish out this season. And thankfully, Rothy's has got us covered. Rothy's surveyed thousands of customers. And you know what the number one word is that people use to describe their shoes? It's comfy. I agree, I absolutely agree. Their unique seamless design, that's one of the things that sets Rothy's apart. They're also incredibly comfortable the moment you put them on and they're a fan favorite. Their styles are sustainably made with materials like plastic water bottles. I love that. You can toss them in the washing machine whenever they need a little refresh and they're available in tons of shapes, styles, and colors. So you can always find the right one for you. With bestsellers like the flats, the loafers, the sneakers, along with sandals in an array of colors, their newest styles have something for every outing you've got planned. Plus, their spacious washable bags are perfect for summer getaways or, you know, if you're driving to a Georgia game somewhere. I wear my Rothy's all the time because they're both cute and comfortable. And without fail, I get compliments every single time. And gents, just in case you thought we'd forgotten you, Rothy's newly launched men's shoes are intentionally designed with an incredible level of detail and they are created with nearly zero waste. Rothy's men's shoes are durable, washable, and better for the planet. And they're a perfect fit wash after wash. Step up your summer ending war wardrobe with washable, sustainable, stylish shoes and bags from Rothy's. Head to rothys.com slash sounds fun to find your new warm, turning to cool weather favorites today. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash sounds fun. And now back to finish my conversation with Coach Rick. I mean, I'll tell you, I don't know if there's a coach's wife that's as loved as Catherine Rick. I mean, she is. Yeah, she's special. She's amazing. And and will you tell about her being uh, the water girl for the football team? Because that was one of all of our favorite things. Right. Well, Catherine became the water girl basically because she didn't like being in the athletic director's box <laughs> at the away games. And uh, if everyone wants to gripe about what's happening on the field, uh, she didn't want to hear it. Or she didn't want people to have to hold it, hold it on the inside when they want to say it. When things were going well. So she would try to watch the game. The only alternative was to watch it from the stands or from the, from the sideline. 
But one day, Barbara Dooley, uh, Coach Dooley's wife, took her on the, on the field, and they're watching the game from the sideline. And while Kathy was watching them, she's like, you know what? I could do that water girl thing. I could be there. <laughs> no, 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 I'm even there. I can help the team uh, do something for the boys and all that kind of thing like she used to do when it was just me coaching quarterbacks and all that. Those are the good old days. Yeah. So she decides she's going to ask the athletic trainer, could she, you know, do the water? And of course, what are you going to say to the head coach's wife? <laughs> yes, you could do that. But but she just so everybody knows, those guys work hard. I mean, just setting up the athletic training. I mean, they're like four, five, six hours prior to kickoff. Oh my gosh! And she was there. She was there with them every step of the way. So she didn't just show up and pour the Powerade. She she uh, helped set up everything and worked her tail off actually. The other thing that was nice a nice fringe benefit. Is when we won a big game, I could go and kiss the water girl and not get in trouble. Yes, you did. We all we all saw it. Yes, you did. <laughs> it was one of our was favorite good. things. So what? why was this the right time to write your book? Why did you want to right. tell these stories? Well, at one time, as a head coach of Georgia, I was trying to write a book. And uh, I got approached. I was like, yeah, we'll do that. But I only have a certain time frame to do it we got to meet this window of time. And uh, as we were getting ready to do it, for whatever reason, the co-writer uh, couldn't get it together, so mm-hmm. to speak, at the, at the right time. And by the time we started working on it, two days were about to happen. I mean, the season's about to start. Right. We're on chapter one. I said, I said, and I read the chapter, and I'm like, this stinks. I'm like, I'm, we're stopping this right now. So anyway, I figured I'd wait till I quit coaching to do it. After I re- retired from coaching in Miami, I got approached again about writing the book. I said, eh, maybe, maybe not. And then the heart attack came, yeah. which I, you know, barely survived. Yeah. And after that, I'm like, if I'm going to write a book, I better hurry up and write it <laughs> before it's too late. So <laughs> that was the final motivation was, was the heart attack. And uh, Lawrence Kimbrough, who helped you with yours, helped me with one of right. mine. He's unbelievable, oh, isn't he? Isn't he good? Oh. Yeah, he's he didn't know the football much, you know, yeah. but he didn't need to. <laughs> well, here's the deal about him is, you know, he's so meticulous. Yes. Like I, I would tell a story and then he'd go back and fact check me. And I was wrong about 70% of the time. <laughs> so he'd, he'd get the story straight. But then he'd go back and watch a game and he'd look at what was going on in the stands. or He'd look uh... and see what's going on. Like the little things that I never would have thought to bring up. Yeah. He's observing and writing about. So it was, it was a good we were, we were a good combo. He's one of the only people I know that still ca- actively carries number two pencils sharpened all the time. <laughs> he just always he has them. He should have called me. I'd have given him some some color commentary from the stands. He didn't know. Yeah, exactly. I should have told him. Exactly. In the book, you talk about uh, walking by faith and not by sight. Will you right. talk a little bit about what that means? You're you're in an interesting turn of events. You're about the third podcast we've had lately that talks about walking by faith and not by sight. So I think God's trying to teach us something here. And that sounds fun. Right. So, so what does it mean to you to walk by faith and not by sight? Well, for me personally, uh, faith has a lot more to do with eternal things. Mm-hmm. You know, walking by sight has a lot more to do with temporal things, sh- yeah. things that are short term. Yeah. And when we think in the short term, we can we could get overwhelmed and we could say, is this all there is? And why am I going through this and all the pain and suffering and all that? But if you look 
at life through a eternal window or 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 glass, however you want to say it, um, then all of a sudden you get excited about the future. And there's so much, so many good reasons to be excited about the future. And and also, I think it also helps me personally, like I mentioned earlier, just be thankful for the things that I do have. And I'm, I'm, I, got, I got Parkinson's. Okay, well, right this minute, I could still get in the car, drive, go grocery shopping for my wife, which is what I'm going to do when we get done with this. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe a year from now, I can't do that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to enjoy every little bit of what I could do right now and be thankful for it. Be thankful for the life I've lived is just, when you look back on it, it's been such a wonderful life. And uh, so I've got no regrets and I'm not mad at anybody about anything that's come up health wise or anything else. I, I lived in Athens for seven years. I After I was in school, I, I interned at the Wesley Foundation, and then I taught school oh, in Jackson County. So I lived there for a few more years. And I don't know that I've ever prayed for a city like I prayed for Athens as a student and continue to as an adult. Right. Um, what do you see God doing in Athens, Georgia? Well, we're just now getting back into the groove of things, but I, I, I'm part of a prayer group. Uh, that started in 2001. Wow. Some of the leaders in the city of uh, Athens. And our primary goal was to pray for the city of Athens and for the leadership and just mm-hmm. for the students and, and, and for each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, once, I mean, we've been doing this thing for over 20 years now. And uh, I got reconnected. I lost connection when I went to Miami. Yeah. But, COVID, you know, one good thing about COVID is we started to Zoom call our prayer meetings. So oh, sure. all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm back in the group. And uh, and even now, when we, when we meet in person, we also, if a guy can't make it in person, he can Zoom on in and, and be there every Friday morning. So, but, you know, there's just so many moving parts uh, in, in all, you know, all cities across America. You know, Athens isn't much different than most. Uh, just trying to, figure out the best way to love everybody, you know? Yeah. And uh, we, we still do a lot of things to uh, help the youth in the area. I've been to a few events to try to support what's going on in downtown Athens and just the things we used to do. You know, we, we led the nation in community service hours everywhere I've been. You know, our players did a lot of community service in Athens and the University of Miami, those kids did a bunch. Yeah. Uh, in Miami as well. And I just think it's so important for, you know, guys that are used to being the center of attention to learn what it feels like to help somebody mm-hmm. who can't help them back. Yeah. And uh, once they do that, they get addicted to it. I mean, they, I mean, so many guys uh, become, big, you know, wonderful leaders in their communities trying to help the young kids just like somebody helped them along, along the way. Yeah. I, um, I, I just had my, Assistant Lindsay, bring me this painting. I, I had a dream my sophomore year of Sanford Stadium filling with water. <laughs> and one of the Wesley students painted it for me last year. But I mean, I really saw God kind of in my in my dream. What I knew is that that was God filling our city and filling yes. Athens. And so it still sits on my on my bookshelf here at the office every day. And I think Very about cool. God, God changing Athens and people feel in love there and 
revive. I mean, I want to see revival come to Athens, Coach Rick. That's what I want to see. Yes. <laughs> I want everybody getting saved in that town. Yes. Okay. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we cover? Uh, not really. You know, I, I think somebody said you were supposed to ask me about what sounds like fun to oh, me. Oh, yeah, I'm going to. Stuff. That's the next one. Don't worry. <laughs> I just want to make sure. I just wanted to make sure if there was anything else you wanted to make sure we said well, before we do I'll the fun say, question. I'll say one last thing. Um, you know, when I was on the cath table in the, in the uh, cath lab, they're putting stints in my widow maker and my other, another uh, artery that was 100% uh, blocked. Uh, there was a time on the table that I did think that I was dying. Everything went numb. My, uh, my, you know, through your eyelids, you could feel light when you're in, in those, those operating tables, yeah. you know, but even, even that went black, it went dark. Oh and so I'm feeling this spirit of peace while my body, I mean, I could hear my body gasping forever, but in my spirit, I'm, I'm, I'm at peace. I'm like, here we go. I'm excited. But I think the point that I want to make is, when you get to that point at the end of your life or you think it's the end or it is the end, there's only one thing that's important and that's where are you going to go? Yeah. Where are you going? You go, you're going to live forever somewhere. You, are you going to live in heaven or are you going to live in hell? And that's your choice. So make, make the call, right? Yeah, that's it. Make the call. <laughs> make the call. That's exactly right. Well, thank you, Coach Rich. Okay, so the last question, as you've been prepped for okay. The question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what right. sounds fun to you, Coach Rick. All right, I wrote them down. Oh, good. Okay. All right, one of my favorite things that I've ever done is I was the MC of a fashion show <laughs> for, for my seven- and three-year-old granddaughters. <laughs> this went on for two hours. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they kept going upstairs, changing into a new outfit. And then a different princess or a mermaid or whatever they right. were. And so I was uh, given a play-by-play. -play, <laughs> uh, and I got video of it, the whole thing. So that was wonderful. Jaden, who's seven, and Zoe. Uh, that was fun. And then, But, you know, family gatherings, playing cards, going to the beach. We did a Disney cruise one time. We went snow skiing one time. Yeah. I've learned over the years to spend your money on experiences more than things because things get broken and thrown away and yeah so, so do those things and then well coach Rick, those you said you have a very good list of fun things by the way well done yes that's impressive you were ready well done you were you finished that drill very well sir thank you selfishly on my show this is my opportunity to tell you what a huge impact you've had on my life and not just as our football coach but the man you've been and modeled for so many of us has affected me greatly. As you can tell, as I'm getting teary telling you. So <laughs> I just wanted, it feels like a real honor. And I feel like I get to represent my like college friend group who would all give anything <laughs> to get to talk to you. So thank you for how you've lived in front of yes. us. You have modeled, not only did we hear you talk about the Lord, but you modeled how to love him well and, um, and continue to do so. So I wanted to thank you for that. Amen as someone who has been on the receiving end for 20 years, 20, half my life, <laughs> you've been influencing me. So I'm very thankful. Thanks for doing this today. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Oh, you guys, isn't he amazing? Uh, sorry I cried, but I couldn't help it. My gosh, what an honor to get to talk to him. I mean, half of my life. 
I have looked up to him as a spiritual leader and an example of the faith. And so I, I just was so honored to get to do this today. Hey, make sure you grab a copy of his new book, Make the Call, and make sure you're following him on socials so you can tell him thanks so much for being on the show and what today meant to you. Tell him, go dog, sick him. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same. Have a great couple of days. We'll see you back here on Wednesday with Bear Reinhardt from Need to Breathe. See you then. Yeah.